Act Four of King Lear. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. King Lear by William Shakespeare. Act Four. Scene One. The Heath. Enter Edgar. Yet better thus, and known to be contemned, than still contemned and flattered. To be worst, the lowest and most dejected thing of fortune, stands still in esperance, lives not in fear. The lamentable change is from the best, the worst returns to laughter. Welcome, then, thou unsubstantial air that I embrace. The wretch that thou hast blown unto the worst owes nothing to thy blasts, Enter Gloucester, led by an old man. But who comes here? My father, poorly led. World, world, oh world! But that thy strange mutations make us hate thee, life would not yield to age. Oh, my good lord, I have been your tenant and your father's tenant these fourscore years. Away, get thee away, good friend, be gone. Thy comforts can do me no good at all, thee they may hurt. You cannot see your way. I have no way, and therefore want no eyes. I stumbled when I saw. Full oft tis seen our means secure us, and our mere defects prove our commodities. O oh, dear son, Edgar, the food of thy abused father's wrath. Might I but live to see thee in my touch, I'd say I had eyes again. How now? Who's there? O oh, gods, who is can say I am at the worst? I am worse than e'er I was. Tis poor, mad, Tom. And worse I may be yet. The worst is not so long as we can say this is the worst. Fellow, where goest? Is it a beggar man? Madman and beggar too. He has some reason, else he could not beg. In the last night's storm I such a fellow saw, which made me think a man a worm. My son came then into my mind, and yet my mind was then scarce friends with him. I have heard more since. As flies to wanton boys are we to the gods, they kill us for their sport. How should this be? Bad is the trade that must play fool to sorrow, angering itself and others. Bless thee, master. Is that the naked fellow? Aye, my lord. Then prithee get thee gone, if for my sake thou wilt o'ertake us, hence a mile or twain, in the way toward Dover, do it for ancient love and bring some covering for this naked soul, which I'll entreat to lead me. Alack, sir, he is mad. Tis the time's plague when madmen lead the blind. Do as I bid thee, or rather do thy pleasure. Above the rest be gone. I bring him the best peril that I have. Command what will. Exit. Sirrah, naked fellow. Poor Tom's a cold. I cannot daub it further. Come hither, fellow. And yet I must. Bless thy sweet eyes, they plead. Knowest thou the way to Dover? 
both stile and gate, arseway and footpath. Poor Tom hath been scared out of his good wit. Bless thee, good man's son, from the foul fiend. Five fiends have been in poor Tom at once. Of lust, as Obidicut, Hobbididens, Prince of Dumbness, Mahu of stealing, Modo of murder, Flippity Gibbet of mopping and mowing, who since possesses chambermaids and waiting women. So bless thee, master. Here, take this purse, thou whom the heaven's plagues have humbled to all strokes, that I am wretched makes thee the happier. Heavens deal so still. Let the superfluous and lust-dieted man that slaves your ordinance, that will not see because he does not feel, feel your power quickly. So distribution should undo excess, and each man have enough. Dost thou know Dover? Aye, master. There is a cliff whose high and bending head looks fearfully in the confined deep. Bring me but to the very brim of it and I'll repair the misery thou dost bear with something rich about me. From that place I shall no leading need. Give me thy arm. Poor Tom shall lead thee. Exeunt. Scene two, before the Duke of Albany's palace. Enter Goneril and Edmund, Oswald meeting them. Welcome, my lord. I marvel our mild husband not met us on the way. Now where's your master? Madam, within. But never a man so changed. I told him of the army that was landed. He smiled at it. I told him you were coming. His answer was the worse. Of Gloucester's treachery and the loyal service of his son, when I informed him, then he called me sot, and told me I had turned the wrong side out. What most he should dislike seems pleasant to him, what like offensive. To Edmund. Then shall you go no further. It is the cowish terror of his spirit that dares not undertake. He'll not feel wrongs which tie him to an answer. Our wishes on the way may prove effects. Back, Edmund, to my brother. Hasten his musters and conduct his powers. I must change arms at home and give the distaff into my husband's hands. This trusty servant shall pass between us. Ere long you are like to hear, if you dare venture in your own behalf, a mistress's command. Giving a favour. Wear this, spare speech, decline your head. This kiss, if it durst speak, would stretch thy spirits up into the air. Conceive, and fare thee well. Yours in the ranks of death. My most dear Gloucester. Exit Edmund. Oh, the difference of man and man! To thee a woman's services are due. My fool usurps my body. Madam, here comes my lord. Exit. Enter Albany. I have been worth the whistle. Oh, Goneril, you are not worth the dust which the rude wind blows in your face. I fear your disposition. That nature which contemns it, origin cannot be bordered certain in itself. She that herself will sliver and disbranch from her material sap, must perforce wither and come to deadly use. No more, the text is foolish. Wisdom and goodness to the vile seem vile. Filth savour but themselves. What have you done? Tigers, not daughters. What have you performed? A father, and a gracious, aged man, 
whose reverence even the head-lugged bear would lick. Most barbarous, most degenerate, have you madded? Could my good brother suffer you to do it? A man, a prince, by him so benefited, if that the heavens do not their visible spirits send quickly down to tame these vile offences, it will come. Humanity must perforce prey on itself, like monsters of the deep. Milk-livered man, the barest a cheek for blows, a head for wrongs, who hast not in thy brows an eye discerning thine honour from thy suffering, that not knowest fools do those villains pity who are punished, ere they have done their mischief. Where's thy drum? France spreads his banners in our noiseless land. With plumed helm thy slayer begins threats, whilst thou, a moral fool, sits still and criest, Alack, why does he so? See thyself, devil. Proper deformity seems not in the fiend so horrid as in woman. Oh, vain fool! Thou changed and self-covered thing, for shame! Bemonster not thy feature, Wert my fitness to let these hands obey my blood. They are apt enough to dislocate and tear thy flesh and bones. Howe'er thou art a fiend, a woman's shape doth shield thee. Marry your manhood now. Enter a messenger. What news? Oh, my good lord, the Duke of Cornwall's dead, slain by his servant, going to put out the other eye of Gloucester. Gloucester's eyes. A servant that he bred, thrilled with remorse, opposed against the act, bending his sword to his great master, who, thereat enraged, flew on him, and amongst them felt him dead, but not without that harmful stroke which since hath plucked him after. This shows you are above, you justicers, that these our nether crimes so speedily can venge. But, oh, poor Gloucester, lost he his other eye? Both, both, my lord. This letter, madam, craves a speedy answer. Tis from your sister. One way I like this well, but being widow and my Gloucester with her, may all the building in my fancy pluck upon my hateful life. Another way the news is not so tart. I'll read an answer. Exit. Where was his son when they did take his eyes? Come with my lady hither. He is not here. No, my good lord, I met him back again. Knows he the wickedness? Ay, my good lord, t'was he informed against him, and quit the house on purpose, that their punishment might have the freer course. Gloucester, I live to thank thee for the love thou showedst the king, and to revenge thine eyes. Come hither, friend, tell me what more thou knowst. Exeunt Scene three, The French Camp Near Dover Enter Kent and a gentleman. Why the king of France is so suddenly gone back, know you the reason? Something he left imperfect in the state, which, since his coming forth is thought of, which imports to the kingdom so much fear and danger, that his personal return was most required and necessary. Who hath he left behind him general? The Marechal of France, Monsieur Lefar. Did your letters pierce the queen to any demonstration of grief? Ay, sir, she took them, read them in my presence, and now and then an ample tear trilled down her delicate cheek. It seemed she was a queen over her passion, who, most rebel-like, sought to be king o'er her. Oh, then 
it moved her. Not to a rage. Patience and sorrow strove who should express her goodliest. You have seen sunshine and rain at once. Her smiles and tears were like a better day. Those happy smilets that played on her ripe lip seemed not to know what guests were in her eyes, which parted thence as pearls from diamonds dropped. In brief, sorrow would be a rarity most beloved, if all could so become it. Made she no verbal question? Faith, once or twice she heaved the name of Father, pantingly forth, as if it pressed her heart, cried, Sisters, sisters, shame of ladies! Sisters, Kent, father, sisters, what, i' the storm, i' the night? Let pity not be believed. There she shook the holy water from her heavenly eyes, and clamour moistened. Then away she started to deal with grief alone. It is the stars. The stars above us govern our conditions, else oneself Mate and mate could not beget such different issues. You spoke not with her sense. No. Was this before the king returned? No, since. Well, sir, the poor distressed leers in the town, who sometime, in his better tune, remembers what we are come about, and by no means will yield to see his daughter. Why, good sir? A sovereign shame so elbows him, his own unkindness, that stripped her from his benediction, turned her to foreign casualties, gave her dear rights to his dog-hearted daughters. These things sting his mind so venomously that burning shame detains him from Cordelia. Alack, poor gentleman! Of Albany's and Cornwall's powers you heard not. Tis so, they are afoot. Well, sir, I'll bring you to our master Lear, and leave you to attend him. Some dear cause will in concealment wrap me up a while. When I am known aright, you shall not grieve lending me this acquaintance. I pray you go along with me. Exeunt Scene 4 the French camp, a tent. Enter Cordelia, physician and soldiers. Alack, tis he! Why, he was met even now as mad as the vexed sea, singing aloud, crowned with rank fumiter and furrow weeds, with harlocks, hemlock, nettles, cuckoo flowers, darnel, and all the idle weeds that grow in our sustaining corn. To soldiers. A century send forth, search every acre in the high-grown field, and bring him to our eye. Exeunt soldiers. To physician. What can man's wisdom in the restoring his bereaved sense? He that helps him take all my outward worth. There is means, madam. Our foster nurse of nature is a repose, the which he lacks. That to provoke in him are many simples operative, whose power will close the eye of anguish. All blessed secrets, all you unpublished virtues of the earth, spring with my tears. Be aidant, and remediate in the good man's distress. Seek, seek for him, lest his ungoverned rage dissolve the life that wants the means to lead it. Enter a messenger. News, madam, 
The British powers are marching hitherward. Tis known before. Our preparation stands in expectation of them. O oh, dear father, it is thy business that I go about. Therefore great France my mourning and important tears hath pitied. No blown ambition doth our arms incite, but love, dear love, and our aged father's right. Soon may I hear and see him. Exeunt. Scene five. A room in Gloucester's castle. Enter Regan and Oswald. But are my brother's powers set forth? Ay, madam. Himself in person there? Madam, with much ado, your sister is the better soldier. Lord Edmund spake not with your lord at home? No, madam. What might import my sister's letter to him? I know not, lady. Faith, he has posted ends on serious matter. It was great ignorance, Gloucester's eyes being out. To let him live where he arrives, he moves all hearts against us. Edmund, I think, is gone, in pity of his misery, to dispatch his knighted life. Moreover, to descry the strength of the enemy. I must needs after him, madam, with my letter. Our troops set forth to-morrow. Stay with us. The ways are dangerous. I may not, madam. My lady charged my duty in this business. Why should she write to Edmund? Might not you transport her purposes by word? For like something, I know not what. I'll love thee much. Let me unseal the letter. Madam, I had rather— I know your lady does not love her husband. I am sure of that. And at her late being here, she gave strange eyelids and most speaking looks to noble Edmund. I know you are of her bosom. I, madam? I speak in understanding. You are, I know it. Therefore I do advise you, take this note. My lord is dead. Edmund and I have talked, and more convenient is he for my hand than for your lady's. You may gather more if you do find him. Pray you give him this. And when your mistress is thus much from you, I pray desire her call, her wisdom to her. So fare you well, and if you do chance to hear of that blind traitor, preferment falls on him that cuts him off. Would I could meet him, madam. I should show what party I do follow. Fare thee well. Exeunt. Scene six. The country near Dover. Enter Gloucester and Edgar, dressed as a peasant. When shall I come to the top of that same hill? You do climb up it now. Look how we labour. Methinks the ground is even. Horrible steep. Hark, do you hear the sea? No, truly. Why, then your other senses grow imperfect by your eyes' anguish. So may it be indeed. Methinks thy voice is altered and thou speak'st in better phrase and matter than thou didst. You are much deceived. In nothing am I changed but in my garments. Methinks you are better spoken. Come on, sir. Here's the place. Stand still. How fearful and dizzy tis to cast one's eyes so low. The crows and chuffs that wing the midway air show scarce so gross as beetles. Halfway down hangs one that gathers samphire dreadful trade 
Methinks he seems no bigger than his head. The fishermen that walk upon the beach appear like mice, and yon tall anchoring bark diminished to her cock, her cock a boy almost too small for sight, the murmuring surge that on the unnumbered idle pebble chafes cannot be heard so high. I'll look no more, lest my brain turn and the deficient sight topple down headlong. Set me where you stand. Give me your hand. You are now within a foot of the extreme verge, for all beneath the moon would I not leap upright. Let go my hand. Here, friends, another purse, in it a jewel well worth a poor man's taking. Fairies and gods prosper it with thee. Go thou further off, bid me farewell, and let me hear thee going. Now, fare ye well, good sir. With all my heart. Why I do trifle thus with his despair is done to cure it. Kneeling. O oh, you mighty gods, this world I do renounce, and in your sights shake patiently my great affliction off. If I could bear it longer, and not fall to quarrel with your great opposeless wills, my snuff and loathed part of nature should burn itself out. If Edgar live, oh, bless him. Now, fellow, fare thee well. Gone, sir. Farewell. Gloucester throws himself forward. And yet I know not how conceit may rob the treasury of life when life itself yields to the theft. Had he been where he thought, by this had thought been passed, alive or dead. Ho, oh, you, sir! Friend! Hear you, sir! Speak! Thus might he pass indeed, yet he revives. What are you, sir? Away, and let me die. Hadst thou been aught but gossamer, feathers, air, so many fathom down precipitating, thou'dst shiver like an egg. But thou dost breathe, hast heavy substance, bleeds not, speaks, art sound. Ten masts at each make not the altitude which thou hast perpendicularly fell. Thy life is a miracle. Speak yet again. But have I fallen, or no? From the dread summit of this chalky bourne, look up a height. The shrill, gorged lark so far cannot be seen or heard, but do but look up. Alack, I have no eyes. Is wretchedness deprived that benefit to end itself by death? T'was yet some comfort when misery could beguile the tyrant's rage and frustrate his proud will. Give me your arm. Up. So. How is't? Fill you your legs? You stand. Too well, too well. This is a bold strangeness. Upon the crown of the cliff, what thing was that which parted from you? A poor, unfortunate beggar. As I stood here below, methought his eyes were two full moons. He had a thousand noses. Horns whelked and waved like the enriched sea. It was some fiend. Therefore, thou happy father, think that the clearest gods who make them honours of men's impossibility have preserved thee. I do remember now. Henceforth I'll bear affliction till it do cry out itself, Enough, enough, and die. That thing you speak of, I took it for a man. Often t'would say, The fiend, the fiend. He led me to that place. Bear free and patient thoughts. But who comes here? Enter Lear 
fantastically dressed with wild flowers. The safer sense will ne'er accommodate his master thus. No, they cannot touch me for coining. I am the king himself. Oh, thou side-piercing sight! Nature's above art in that respect. There's your press-money. That fellow handles his bow like a crow-keeper. Draw me a clothier's yard. Look, look, a mouse. Peace, peace. This piece of toasted cheese will do it. There's my gauntlet. I'll prove it on a giant. Bring up the brown bills. Oh, well-flown bird, i the clout, i the clout, you. Give the word. Sweet Marjoram. Pass. I know that voice. He falls to his knees. Ha! Huh? Goneril with a white beard. They flattered me like a dog, and told me I had white hairs in my beard there, the black ones were there, to say aye and no to everything I said. Aye and no, too, was no good divinity. When the rain came to wet me once, and the wind to make me chatter, when the thunder would not peace at my bidding, there I found them, there I smelt them out. Go to, they are not men of their words. They told me I was everything. Tis a lie. I'm not ague-proof. The trick of that voice I do well remember. Is not the king? I, every inch a king. When I do stare, see how the subject quakes. I pardon that man's life. What was thy cause? Adultery. Thou shalt not die. Die for adultery, no. The wren goes to it, and the small gilded fly does lecher in my sight. Let copulation thrive. For Gloucester's bastard son was kinder to his father than my daughter's got between the lawful sheets. To it, luxury, pell-mell, for I lack soldiers. Behold yon simpering dame, whose face between her forks presages snow. That minces virtue, and does shake the head to hear of pleasure's name. The fitchew nor the soiled horse goes to it with a more riotous appetite. Down from the waist they are centaurs, though women all above. But to the girdle do the gods inherit. Beneath is all the fiends. There's hell, there's darkness, there is the sulphurous pit, burning, scalding, stench, consumption, fie, 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 pa, pa. Give me an ounce of civet, good apothecary, to sweeten my imagination. There's money for thee. He gives flowers. Oh, let me kiss that hand. Let me wipe it first. It smells of mortality. O ruined piece of nature, this great world shall so wear out to naught. Dost thou know me? I remember thine eyes well enough. Dost thou squinny at me? No, do thy worst, blind Cupid, while not love. Read thou this challenge, mark but the penning of it. Were all the letters sons, I could not see one. I would not take this from report, it is, and my heart breaks at it. Read? What, with the case of eyes? Oh, oh, are you there with me? No eyes in your head, nor no money in your purse? Your eyes are in a heavy case, your purse in a light. Yet you see how this world goes. I see it feelingly. What? Art mad? A man may see how the world goes with no eyes. 
Look with thine ears. See how yon justice rails upon yon simple thief. Hark, in thine ear, change places, and handy-dandy, which is the justice, which is the thief? Thou hast seen a farmer's dog bark at a beggar. Aye, sir. And the creature run from the cur. There thou mightst behold the great image of authority. A dog's obeyed in office. Thou rascal beadle, hold thy bloody hand. Why dost thou lash that whore? Strike thine own back. Thou hotly lusted to use her in that kind for which thou whipped her. The usurer hangs a cousiner. Through tattered clothes small vices do appear. Robes and furred gowns hide all. Plate sin with gold, and the strong lance of justice hurtless breaks. Arm it in rags, a pygmy's straw does pierce it. None doth offend. None, I say none, I'll label them. Giving flowers. Take that of me, my friend, who have the power to seal the accuser's lips. Get thee glass-eyes, and like a scurvy politician seem to see the things thou dost not. Now, 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 now. Pull off my boots. Harder, harder, so. Oh, matter and impertinency mixed, reason in madness. If thou wilt weep my fortunes, take my eyes. I know thee well enough. Thy name is Gloucester. Thou must be patient. We came crying hither, thou know'st. The first time we smelt the air, we wall and cry. I will preach to thee, Mark. He takes off his coronet of flowers. Alack, alack the day. When we are born, we cry that we are come to this great stage of fools. This a good block. It were a delicate stratagem to shoe a troop of horse with felt. I'll put in proof, and when I have stolen upon these sons-in-law, then kill, 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 kill. He throws down his flowers and stamps on them. Enter a gentleman and two attendants. Gloucester and Edgar draw back. Oh, here he is. Lay hand upon him. Sir, your most dear daughter. No rescue. What, a prisoner? I am even the natural fool of fortune. Use me well, you shall have ransom. Let me have surgeons. I am cut to the brains. You shall have anything. No seconds. Or myself. Why, this would make a man of salt to use his eyes for garden water-pots. Ay, and for laying autumn's dust. I will die bravely, like a smug bridegroom. What? I will be jovial. Come, come, I am a king, my masters. Know you that? You are a royal one, and we obey you. Then there's life in't. Nay, and you get it, you shall get it by running. Sa, 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 sa. Exit running, followed by attendants. A sight most pitiful in the meanest wretch, past speaking of in a king. Thou hast one daughter who redeems nature from the general curse which twain have brought her to. Hail, gentle sir. Sir, speed you. What's your will? Do you hear aught, sir, of a battle toward? Most sure and vulgar. Every one hears that which can distinguish sound. But by your favour, how near's the other army? Near and on speedy foot. The main descry stands on the hourly thought. I thank you, sir, that's all. 
though that the queen on special cause is here, her army is moved on. I thank you, sir. Exit, gentlemen. You ever gentle gods, take my breath from me. Let not my worser spirit tempt me again to die before you please. Well, pray you, father. Now, good sir, what are you? A most poor man, made tame to fortune's blows, who by the art of known and feeling sorrows am pregnant to good pity. Give me your hand, I'll lead you to some biding. Hearty thanks, the bounty and the benison of heaven to boot and boot. Enter Oswald. A proclaimed prize, most happy. That eyeless head of thine was first framed flesh to raise my fortunes. Thou old unhappy traitor, briefly thyself remember. The sword is out that must destroy thee. Now let thy friendly hand put strength enough to it. Edgar intervenes. Wherefore, bold peasant, dost thou support a published traitor? Hence, lest that the infection of his fortune take like hold on thee. Let go his arm. Shall not let go, sir, without further occasion. Let go, slave, or thou diest. Good gentleman, go your gate, and let poor vote pass. And should have been swaggered out of my life, twould not have been so long as tis by a fortnight. Nay, come not near the old man. Keep out, to worry your eyes. Try whether your cast out of my bat be the harder. Shall be plain with you. Out, dunghill. Shall pick your teeth, sir. Come, no matter for your vines. They fight. Slave, thou hast slain me. Villain, take my purse. If ever thou wilt thrive, bury my body, and give the letters which thou findst about me to Edmund, Earl of Gloucester. Seek him out upon the British party. Oh, untimely death! I know thee well. A serviceable villain, as duteous to the vices of thy mistress as badness would desire. What? Is he dead? Sit you down, father. Rest you. Let's see these pockets. The letters that he speaks of may be my friends. He's dead. I'm only sorry he had no other death's man. Let us see. Leave gentle wax, and manners blame us not. To know our enemies' minds, we'd rip their hearts. Their papers is more lawful. He reads the letter. Let our reciprocal vows be remembered. You have many opportunities to cut him off. If your will want not, time and place will be fruitfully offered. There is nothing done if he return the conqueror. Then am I the prisoner, and his bed my jail, from the loathed warmth whereof deliver me and supply the place for your labour. Your wife, so I would say, affectionate servant, Goneril. Oh, indistinguished space of woman's will, a plot upon her virtuous husband's life, and the exchange my brother! Here in the sands thee I'll rake up, the post unsanctified of murderous lechers, and in the mature time with this ungracious paper strike the sight of the death-practised duke. For him tis well that of thy death and business I can tell. The king is mad. How stiff is my vile sense, that I stand up, and have ingenious feeling of my huge sorrows. Better I were distract, so should my thoughts be severed from my griefs, and woes by wrong imaginations lose the knowledge of themselves. Give me your hand. 
Far off, methinks, I hear the beaten drum. Come, father, I'll bestow you with a friend. Exeunt. Scene 7. A tent in the French camp. Lear on a bed, asleep. Soft music playing. Enter Cordelia and Kent. Physician, gentleman, and others attending. O oh, thou good Kent, how shall I live and work to match thy goodness? My life will be too short, and every measure will fail me. To be acknowledged, madam, is o'erpaid. All my reports go with the modest truth, nor more nor clipped, but so. Be better suited. These weeds are memories of those worser hours. I prithee, put them off. Pardon, dear madam, yet to be known shortens my made intent. My boon I make it that you know me not till time and I think meet. Then be it so, my good lord. To the physician. How does the king? Madam, sleep still. Cure this great breach in his abused nature. The untuned and jarring senses, O oh, wind-up of this child-changed father. So please, your majesty, that we may wake the king, he hath slept long. Be governed by your knowledge, and proceed in the sway of your own will. Is he arrayed? Ay, madam, in the heaviness of sleep we put fresh garments on him. Be by, good madam, when we do awake him, I doubt not of his temperance. Very well. Music sounds off stage. Please you draw near, louder the music there. Kneeling by the chair and kissing his hand. O oh, my dear father, restoration hang thy medicine on my lips, and let this kiss repair those violent harms that my two sisters have in thy reverence made. Kind and dear princess. Had you not been there, father, these white flakes had challenged pity of them. Was this a face to be opposed against the warring winds, to stand against the deep dread-bolted thunder, in the most terrible and nimble stroke of quick-cross lightning, to watch, poor Padu, with this thin helm, mine enemy's dog, though he had bit me, should have stood that night against my fire. And wast thou fain, poor father, to hovel thee with swine and rogues forlorn, in short and musty straw? Alack, alack, tis wonder that thy life and wits at once had not concluded all. He wakes. Speak to him. Madam, do you, tis fittest. How does my royal lord? How fares your majesty? You do me wrong to take me out the grave. Thou art a soul in bliss, but I am bound upon a wheel of fire, that mine own tears do scald like molten lead. Sir, do you know me? You are a spirit, I know. When did you die? Still, still, far wide. He's scarce awake. Let him alone a while. Where have I been? Where am I? Fair daylight, I am mightily abused. I should e'en die with pity to see another thus. I know not what to say. 
I will not swear these are my hands. Let's see, I feel this pinprick. Would I were assured of my condition? Oh, look upon me, sir, and hold your hands in benediction o'er me. Lear falls to his knees. No, sir, you must not kneel. Pray do not mock me. I am a very foolish, fond old man. Four score and upward. Not an hour more nor less. And to deal plainly, I fear I am not in my perfect mind. And methinks I should know you, and know this man. Yet I am doubtful, for I am mainly ignorant what place this is. And all the skill I have remembers not these garments, nor I know not where I did lodge last night. Do not laugh at me, for, as I am a man, I think this lady to be my child Cordelia. And so I am. I am. Be your tears wet? Yes. Faith, I pray, weep not. If you have poison for me, I will drink it. I know you do not love me, for your sisters have, as I do remember, done me wrong. You have some cause, they have not. No cause. No cause. Am I in France? In your own kingdom, sir. Do not abuse me. Be comforted, good madam. The great rage, you see, is killed in him, and yet it is danger to make him even o'er the time he has lost. Desire him to go in, trouble him no more till further settling. Will't please your highness walk? You must bear with me. Pray you now, forget and forgive. I am old and foolish. Exeunt all but Kent and gentlemen. Holds it true, sir, that the Duke of Cornwall was so slain? Most certain, sir. Who is conductor of his people? As tis said the bastard son of Gloucester. They say Edgar, his banished son, is with the Earl of Kent in Germany. Report is changeable. Tis time to look about. The powers of the kingdom approach apace. The arbitrament is like to be bloody. Fare you well, sir. Exit. My point and period will be thoroughly wrought, or well or ill. As this day's battles fought. Exit. End of Act Four.